0: Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Picking up where we left off yesterday, Andrea continues in part two of this Creatively Christian two-part episode, talking with John Mays as he empowers Christian musicians to keep going in their creative work, no matter the fears that hold them back.
1: Yeah. It sounds like authenticity. You know what? Exactly. No, I, I loved, I loved every bit of that because it really made me think of the importance of authenticity Mm. in our art. Um, and that each of us are uniquely called. Um, I think something I've learned as a songwriter is the importance of discovering and leaning into the unique voice that God has given me as an artist. And that, uh, the world needs to hear that. So, I know you work with a lot of artists um, and I think a lot of us tend to maybe sometimes wanna fit the mold because we think that's what's gonna be popular or um, accepted, but how about authenticity? Where does that fit in?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, contrary to popular opinion, I believe, Both those things can coexist in a song. And as evidence for that argument, I would present to you one Jason Gray. (laughs) Jason is our veteran artist on Centricity. Uh, I think we signed him in 08. And it has just been a marvel to learn from that guy as I watch him live out his commitment to taking deeper ideas, uh, uh, risky questions, thought-provoking notions that are not easily turned into hooky memorable songs and his commitment to do that so go on rather than me answer this question and there are other ones like this other artists certainly like this but Jason is just the one I'm closest to and the most familiar with his work now not every song is that you know there, there are some songs that need to just be an honest here's I'm, I'm going to puke this out because I need to say this right now and no one ever may listen to this or care about it and there's there's a space for those songs but if you if you look at his body of work you'll see it all including songs that uh that someone else I think would have settled for uh, and it's when I say someone else I'm not thinking of any particular artist but just the temptation to take uh like he's got a song called "Death Without a Funeral" about his divorce. Well, "Death Without a Funeral" that's a that's a weighty idea, right? Or uh, his current project, he's got uh, "Order, Disorder, Reorder," which was a uh, an idea that he read, and you know, he we're we're sort of brainstorming together on like like is that a song or is it three EPs, which it ended up being. Uh, But it also ended up being a song. And I remember saying to him, well, good luck making a hook out of that. (laughs) And he did it. So I I think it's a a really poppy, hooky song called Order, Disorder, Reorder. Oh, cool. Uh, Can we take for that? The idea and the theme of how God transforms us through order, then disorder, and then reorder, that's some pretty deep water. So um, I, I, I would say to anyone... It's it's not a mutually exclusive thing, but give yourself permission to write songs that are not commercial and not uh, popular sounding, as you put it, and that's good, because uh, you're not being judged by the last five songs you wrote. You know, uh, well, hopefully you're never being judged, but that your content uh, maybe. But it will be when you're done with this and you're in heaven. The body of your work is what will be left behind. And that's gonna be all kinds of things, right? And listen, one of the things we work the hardest on is pushing people toward writing commercial music that radio will play. So i am you're never gonna hear from me that there's any shame in trying to write what sounds popular right now. Now, you never need to worry about that if you're not trying to make a living at what you do. But once you pick up that stick, you're gonna find some really difficult wrestling with, I need to write what's honest and true for me, but I need to put it in a form that is simple and easy to sing and hooky for people to remember. It's difficult, I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying that you can do both, especially if you look at the big picture and take the long view of your work, which is you're gonna leave behind hundreds of songs, hopefully, right? Some of those songs no one will ever heard. Some of those songs will have meant a great deal to someone who went through something that is, is what the song is talking about. And some of those songs might be on the radio. That's fantastic. What a great breadth of work to leave behind. Uh, and there's a you know there's a, an idea that your job is to do the best work you can do and to tell the truth. That's your job. It's kind of God's job to figure out where that's going to go and who's going to hear it, right? I mean, you might have a team around you to to help support you and promote you, but we can't make those kinds of things happen. You know, we can make it available to people. But that seed that's going in the ground, you can cultivate it and you can water it and take care of it and be precious about it, but you cannot make fruit come up. You Mm. just, you've got to be a faithful scatterer, a faithful planter, right? Right. And I, I think God honors that sort of attitude about creative work.
1: I love that a faithful scatterer. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've heard it put that way. And you know, I, I've been learning. I'm not, I'm not an old dog in this um, in this field by any means. I've just just recently, probably in the past five years, started scattering songs, um, as you put it. But Fantastic. I think this digital age is kind of um, is tricky. And you've been in the industry long enough to know you know, and, and have seen the, the morphing and changing of the industry. And it seems like there's a lot of music out there. Everybody can, everybody that can sit at home and record something they're, they're scattering it a lot. (laughs) So what, what would would a suggestion be for those that truly feel called to um, share their their songs that God is giving to them? And what are effective ways that you're seeing that people can do that?
2: Well, probably a a philosophical answer to that is that you can't not do it because there's so much of it being done, right? Uh, If you, if you have some sense of calling and who knows how to define that uh, you, you know if you go old testament with calling it probably means a totally different thing than the way we use the the word today but uh maybe a resonance or a, a pull toward creating right and expressing yourself uh that won't go away maybe there's some calling in that right but if you do if you feel that way about your work or at least the work that you want to make uh, then that's all that matters. You can't look at, I think it's now up to almost 60,000 songs a day that are uploaded to Spotify. That's just gross, right? And and if you look at that, it will, it will crush the heart that you have for wanting to create. So you just get super practical. You get over that hump first, which is, I'm going to do this regardless. I have to do this. So you get over that hump first. Then once you're over that, you make the best work you can and there's all kinds of i mean there's you know there's a uh, distro kid and orchard and cd baby all these distribution outlets that work with independent artists and songwriters and they you take a little percentage and they upload all your music to all these platforms spotify apple music amazon all those uh so you're represented there and uh you know you can I think most labels have this. We have an info at Centricity Music that we get links sent to us all the time. And and uh, we don't, the A&R team doesn't personally listen to every one of those, but we do like have interns and people who help us to, to listen and respond to every one of those. So uh, I can't say that every label does that, but that's a value that we hold at Centricity that if someone is, they're fighting the good fight and they worked up enough courage to send something in. We want to at least honor that courage and the dignity of being a human creator and acknowledge that we listen to it and maybe try to say something encouraging, you know, and we, have, we have found a couple of things over the years through somebody just sending their stuff in. So uh, anything that you think, well, no one will ever hear that. This is dumb. It's just going out into the ether out in the internet space out there you just don't know. I'll say this, uh, and, and this is t- talking super practically. a um, and the work that we do, has changed a whole lot in the last four or five years as the digital age has descended upon it. And the way it's, you know, everything we used to do was, are you interested in the person and who they are? And then are you interested in the music they make? Do you feel like you could be successful with this? You know, well, now the horse and the cart have sort of, change places where everything is about social media numbers. Now we're not this, we're not even equipped to do this, but major label A&R teams have three and four people on their teams that all they do is look at social media numbers and they have, they have platforms to aggregate all these numbers, you know, and they can slice them and dice the data any way they want to. But I have heard hilarious stories of somebody bringing a song or an artist into an A&R meeting and being excited about the song. They play it for the team. And these research, they're, they're called are called r research data people. They're over here on their laptops going, nah, move on. There's nothing there. Numbers are no good. That's <laughs> a little bit gross, but that's where the industry is headed. And it is, maybe it is a little bit gross because it feels very non-music, right? But uh, most of the most of these A&R, the people who head up these teams would say, no, we just want, we want to balance the gut reaction and our instinct with what the numbers are telling us. Look, people are reacting to this song, this music, this track. And we, if they are, then that's a good head start for us, right? Because that's what you do when you sign something. You try to get people interested in it. And here, these numbers show us there's already a lot of interest or some interest, Sometimes you're not even looking at the numbers as much as you are the trends, right? Look, it's grown 20% in two weeks. Something's happening with, with this artist or this track. So all that to say, to spend some time and work and energy and even in money in some cases, even though most of it's free, uh, to establish your social media profiles, get some music out there on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, uh, even TikTok, it's incredible what's happening at TikTok right now. Eight artists were signed to major label deals off of TikTok last year. Oh my and goodness. The point in the pandemic, eight artists got major label deals because they started on TikTok. So I that, had no idea. I was missing out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to have your music at least out there so that uh somebody can look at what's happening with it. And again, You may have only gone from 20 Instagram followers to 100 in a month, but that's a pretty good slope. Like when you're looking that on a graph, that's going to pop up and you're going to go, something's, why is that growing so fast? You're going to investigate a little more. So I would say to those people, yes, there's a gross amount of music being uploaded every day. You got to forget about that and upload your music and just. we'll go back to the previous question. Let, let's see what God will do with that. Yeah. Uh, the, the most recent, the girl, a girl from Phoenix right now that I'm signing, uh, I found her on Instagram. It's the first one I've done. Now I wasn't, I wasn't surfing Instagram to find her, but she covered a Jordan Feliz song. Who's one of our artists. She tagged Jordan and I followed him and there she was singing his song, the river. And that's where it started. So just that you are present on these platforms and doing the best you can to keep that. Now, I will say, Andrea, something that does not look good is for you to have an Instagram account with three posts on it and the last one being from 2018, right? That does not say a good thing about your engagement with people. So,
1: right. But
2: it is a, it's a thing that you need to take seriously as a growing writer and artist these days. And it is the method for reaching people. Mm. Yes, it's crowded, but you never know what God's going to do with anything that you put out there.
1: Amen. Yeah. Okay. So almost shifting gears a little bit uh, because you know there are a lot of people out there that love to share their work and want to share their work, are not afraid to share their work. But I, I do work personally with some people that uh, are very hesitant, are mm. maybe a little embarrassed to share their work, um, even though they are they are creating beautiful things that speak to the the creative giftedness. Um, extended from God himself and there it just what would you say to someone who really hesitates to share um, is a little shy about it maybe
2: yeah I might start with quoting Steve Jobs who uh, looked at his engineers and designers as artists and uh, you know if you look if you take the back off of an iPhone it's beautiful in there <laughs> I mean, these are—it's incredible what these people, you know, design and build. But he had a slogan. He said, "True artists ship, S H I P. True artists ship." In other words, if it doesn't go out to someone so they can use it in some way or experience it in some way, it's not art. It's just something you did for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, you, you know, it might be a piece of music or something, but it's not art because art is something that is a currency between people. It goes out to someone. And I, Andrea, I think I may have mentioned this to you in another conversation we had, but uh, this came home to me in, uh, in, in 2013, when my mom was in her last stages of, of living in this world and she was in a nursing home. And, uh, 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 this was one day before she passed away and, uh, you know, she was pretty much out of it already, but the sweetest lady, probably late 40s, early 50s, tapped on our door, and uh, uh she had a mandolin with her, and uh would your mom like to hear some music, you know, and uh y- you, you know, you're experiencing a lot of emotion at that time already, of course, and I said, of co- you know, of course, come in, and She said, well, uh, do you know any hymns that she likes or favorite hymns? And I told her a couple and she did sing a couple of those. And then she said, "Um, I've written a couple of songs that that might be a blessing to her. (laughs) And Andrea, these were not songs that I would have ever gone. Oh, that's a great song. But Mm -hmm. so right for the moment. And the heart from which they were offered. Mm -hmm. And I wish so badly that I had gotten this lady's name because I would love to take her around with me and just go, see, she was showing her work in the most, the gigantic kingdom way by by sitting in that dingy little nursing home, hospital room and, and offering what she had to my mom and in some ways kind of saying my mom into heaven, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was the, the most precious gift to her and to me. So it helped me realize that, uh, you know, if, if someone is struggling to show their work, first of all, there's so many ways to do it, so many places you know, like that lady just showing up at a nursing home saying, Can I, do you mind if I go in and sing to some of the patients? Do you realize what a little voice and ukulele sounds like to a person who hasn't heard music in a while you know Mm. it it was just so beautiful in there but uh like there's there's so many ways to do it but maybe you change your thinking from um you know if a person could sort of pinch their middle their 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 finger and their thumb together in just a little gap like that that would represent the Christian music industry, the worship music industry, but if you reach your arms out as far as you can, that's the kingdom. There's so many ways to use your music in the kingdom. If it's in a nursing home, if it's to teach third graders, if it's, uh, I know a guy who plays, he's an ex-fireman, he goes around and plays songs for fire departments because they're always hanging out, you know, waiting to be called, and he'll just go take his guitar and play songs for them. That's that's where he's contributing, right? That's where he's shipping. If true artists ship, that's where he's doing it. Uh, there's another great book uh, I read years ago. I think it was written in the '30s, called uh, "If You Want to Write" by a lady named Brenda Euland, who was a language teacher in the in the '30s. And uh, she said she was taking piano lessons from a piano teacher when she was a kid, and. Her she finished a piece, and her piano teacher said, "It's good. Who's it for?" And like her working that out in the book of like this teacher was trying to encourage her, like this is all about you, and that's not what art is for. It's not for you. It's for you to create, but it's for others to experience. And if you don't give God an opportunity to do something with it, It, there's something just sort of narcissistic about it, isn't it? Like how many hundreds of songs do you have then that no one's ever heard? Go do something with them. There's plenty of, uh, use your imagination a little bit. There's plenty of outlets, uh, but they might not necessarily fit your Christian music industry thinking about what needs to happen with those songs. You got to get out of that and start to think more kingdom
1: Mm.
2: and your mind may explode with all the places you could use your songs.
1: I love that. Think think kingdom instead of Anderson. Yeah, we can yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of being a Christian artist is um I was just talking to a gentleman today uh, earlier this morning that um he put it in a perspective for me. Like he's a writer and when he writes he said, "Okay, primarily I'm writing for God." That's my, that's my first and foremost. And then I am writing to serve the, um, the work itself, like the words, you know, making sure that what I'm writing is well-crafted and well-delivered. And, and then I'm serving, you know, also the audience that would hear it. Yeah. And then after that, he said, I am also serving those that would take this work and, um, Help me deliver it. Like so, if you have a band, or if in his case it was he's in a theater group, so it was those that per, are performing this work with him. And it was it was interesting in our conversation how he didn't even show up in that list until way way down. You know, he was definitely um much more kingdom focused and art, just mm-hmm. even focused on the art itself, uh, the beauty yeah. of the art itself. It was really a a good reminder. So I love that. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. So last question, and then we'll try to kind of wrap up here, but I, um, I, I work with quite a few people that tend to say, I just don't, I don't even know what to write anymore, <laughs> or I don't know what to paint, or I yeah. don't know, I don't even know what to create. So what would you say to someone who feels like they've lost their artistic voice?
2: Wow. Um, Hearing you say that, you know, that's a little sobering to say it that way. Uh, but I, I think this may, this may like bundle it up too nicely, but it, it just feels like writer's block, which is something that every creative person has struggled with for generations. And now there's been so much writing on it and people talking about it. Like, it's hilarious. You can YouTube writer's block and hundreds of videos will come up about People's theories of how to get through it, and and uh, even exercises that like, like you go through. But uh, I, probably every creative person gets hung up at different places, you know, uh, in in the process. There's a really good book uh, by a guy named Eric Maisel called "Fearless Creating," and it's not about songwriting; it's just about creating anything. But it's certainly applicable to songwriting. And in this book, he goes through what he believes are the six stages of creativity. Uh, And they are uh, wishing, choosing, which to me, that's like wishing is just sort of that hand in your back, you know, like I want to create something. And uh, choosing is sort of the expression that that wishing will take. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing the art form, right, that this wishing will take. Uh, choosing, wishing, starting, working, completing. And you would think, wait, completing. So there's only five, you're done. No, the last one is showing, which we've already talked about. It, but even Eric Meisel would say, no, you haven't created anything until you show it. I love that. But uh, those like that starting, working, completing, there's probably something in there for a lot of people that is, uh, I get hung up in one of these three places. Like uh, I, I, I want to start a song today, but uh, the kids are yelling, it's, it, I, I can't focus. Uh, so they need to work in that area. Like they need a space where they know it's gonna be quiet. And you, maybe you tell the kids, unless you've lost a limb, don't come in here for the next hour, right? Uh, like people in your house understand, this is holy for me, this is sacred this hour I'm about to spend.
1: It I actually made... have a sign for my door that says recording in progress. And my family knows if that, that sign I... is on there. To leave mama alone.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, the working piece like this, this plagues me all the time. Uh, uh, like finding all uh, oh, the right format, the right software, the right. Oh, Oh, this is new. I want to try that, but I didn't, I didn't even finish with the old one that I had or just, you dabble around for, you know, this is more starting and working, but you sit down at your space and you realize you dabbled around on something, and now it's you're two hours in, and you you got to go. You just you never really actually went to work, right? But you that thing, and most creatives have experienced this, where you you look for the flow, like you started at two o'clock, and you look up and it's four thirty, like you you can't believe it. You th- you thought you'd been there ten minutes. Uh, that sort of commitment to that sort of flow. It doesn't always happen, but uh, your phone rings. I mean, there's so many distractions to keep you from working, right? And then completing. Completing is so fascinating because I think in my own experience, saying something is finished is the, you have to come to terms with your own level of gifting, right, to say, all right, it's done because you can always keep working on it. And there is some place that you embrace the idea that it's never gonna be exactly like you want it to be. That's very rare for anybody. But to say, you know what? This is the best work I can do today. I'm gonna call this one finished and I'm gonna start something else. There's, I wish I could remember this guy and if people wanted to Google him, they could find him. But there is a a Renaissance era painter uh, who, was considered at the time one of the greats. He was, I think, a portrait portrait painter. He is known today, and his work tours museums and uh, galleries. He's known because he could not finish a painting. So there are like five canvases that tour around the country. And you can look and go, that's brilliant. That beginning is brilliant, but he couldn't finish he could not come to terms with his own level of gifting right and so he'd rather just not finish it than than do that so what a legacy now for this guy to live with that he's the guy who couldn't finish and andrea i know guys with hundreds of unfinished songs in their computers or in their notebooks or voice memos hundreds that tells me something right that there's a there's someone's getting hung up right here and it's time to come to terms with it there's all there's all that there's i've heard someone say once that uh if you are blocked and you really look inward about it there's probably something that you feel like you're needing to say and you're just afraid to say it and uh That I don't know that that resolves anything, but it might be a key to the door, right? Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm afraid to say? That question might be the key to the door to unlocking some things. But uh, other than that, which are more practical things, I think we already talked about this, but this notion of uh, I'm a mom, I'm raising kids, or I've got a full-time job or whatever, but I've got three hours a week. And you know what I'm going to do with those? I'm going to write. Everything in me says... You're writing the same stuff over and over again. You're no good. You suck. Everybody's work is better than yours. That's just the voice that you're going to have to resist uh, because everybody deals with it. And according to your own theology, you can decide where that voice is coming from, right? Some people would say the enemy. There's an awesome book on this called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, who uh, calls it the resistance but every creative deals with the resistance, and that resistance is usually what I call the "you suck" voice. Uh, you just it it wins the battle for the song, not the war, but it wins the battle for that day's work because you just you you believed the voice rather than your own uh, ability to do the work. Uh, and I don't know of any other way to overcome the voice other than just Keep doing it. There's an incredible Vincent van Gogh, if if no one has read uh, Letters to Theo, that are a collection of letters that Vincent van Gogh wrote to his brother, Theodore. Mostly during the time he was institutionalized. uh, But in in one of those letters, he wrote to Theodore, if the voice inside you says you can't paint, then by all means paint and the Mm. voice will be silenced. (laughs) I'm gonna say it again. If the voice inside you says you can't paint, then by all means paint and the voice will be silenced. I believe that is so true, Andrea, but I also don't believe it would be silenced in the next 15 minutes. It might not be silenced for three months. I don't know, but that's not yours to worry about in a way. Your job is to show up. I wanna recommend, let me see if I can find this real quick. There's an awesome video. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, she did a TED Talk called Your Elusive Creative Genius. Your Elusive Creative Genius. It might be good for your readers to, to see. It's on YouTube. Cool. And uh, it's a fantastic, very motivating talk, not from a Christian perspective necessarily, but uh, uh, that, that deals with this. Your job is to show up. And if the voice wins the battle for your work, that's... It, you won't just be blocked, you just won't even be trying anymore. Uh, And I think that's where things get separated, is the people who have the intestinal fortitude, the encouragement from people there that love them, whatever it is to go, no, go right. You've got an hour, go right. Don't waste this hour and you make it up from that hour going. That was the biggest waste of time. There's nothing there. Then go right again tomorrow and do it the next day and do it the next day. And the voice will be silenced.
1: That's awesome. No. And we'll look up that video and try to share. Uh, yeah. That in our show notes along with you've, you've dropped a lot of book ideas on us. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. And kind of resources are really helpful. Awesome. Well, John, some, thank you so much for your time. Oh, Some of those are old. Yeah, you know, some of them we may have to dig a little harder, maybe eBay or something, but we'll <laughs> yeah, see if, if we can find it. To write
2: that Brenda Ulan book was, was written in the 30s.
1: Oh, that's so fantastic.
2: I, still find it. I, I would make one other recommendation, though, that's super, like, if songwriting is two halves, and I think you could make an argument that it is, it's one half is, is gifting, right? Like you just... You were born with this love for putting words and melodies together and you can't get over it. Uh, That's gift. And thank God for it because you can't teach yourself the gift. Like you just either have it or you don't, but what you do with the gift, I would call crafting like learning what to do with that lyric and melody and how to make it better and better, how to apply Poetic devices to it, and rhyme, and metaphor, and simile, and contrast, and all these things that you learn—alliteration, all these things that you learn—can make your work better. That you can learn and grow in, and make your gift even more applicable and universal. Right? Well, there's a there's a book that country songwriters keep in their backpack, and this thing was written in the '70s, but but it's called "The Craft of Lyric Writing." And our, our good friend John Chisholm would, uh, would know uh, about this book, and I know he's recommended it. Uh, it it br- just breaks down pop songs. And um, the problem with the book is these are pop songs from the 70s. You know, so uh, like younger readers like yourself would, would, might not be familiar with these songs, but it's still applicable. Uh, what, like she analyzes what these, why these lyrics work, and and then uh you know de- devise the different categories of lyric crafting and and tools that you have at your expense and there are guys who keep this book in their backpack and and pull it out every day so it might not speak to you but it, it is a super practical book that a lot of people use, still use
1: that's really helpful no it I sounds work, like a- I think
2: she has a workbook too Oh, a lyric writing workbook sheila davis
1: sheila davis All right. Well, I will look that one up too. sounds like a great resource. Yeah. Awesome. Well, John, how can our listeners connect with you? I know you mentioned you've got like some email addresses with Centricity there. Is that kind of the best way?
2: Info at centricitymusic.com. There's someone who, as all those emails come in, they parse them out to wherever they need to go. So if you sent someone something there with my name in it, it would get to me.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. And is there anything new coming up from Centricity Music that we can look Oh, for?
2: always. 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 Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm working on a, uh, a couple of new things. Uh, one is a, a 19-year-old singer-songwriter named Kobe James, who we've released a good bit of music on, but we haven't tried to go to radio yet. We're still trying to find that. And this is a lot of my work. You're trying to find that place where the music that he loves and wants to make intersects what radio will play right and trying to find that overlap uh, but uh other than that uh C- kobe's fun to listen to uh i'm working on a new unspoken record uh just starting lauren right now uh something that your listeners might enjoy listening to is uh and this matt another a person is working with him but uh, a guy named chris renzema Chris is a little bit of an anomaly for us because we wanted for, for a couple of years, we had a mission, our goal, I should say, to try to find and identify and sign an artist that we weren't so dependent on radio to, to expose, get exposed. And, uh, by God's grace, we found Chris and Chris already had a lot going on as an indie artist, but until COVID happened, uh, things have calmed down a little bit but before that like his his touring and mostly among college students was just blowing up in in ways that you don't usually see when somebody doesn't have a hit right uh he's never even been on radio and we love that (laughs) so he's at least maybe a good case study and you might call what he does worship music but not all of it but uh to realize that there is a home out there there's a way to reach people even when everybody's saying well we gotta have radio not the case with everybody and chris is a good example of that he's working on some new music right now and uh, if if people are lauren fans out there uh she wrote a song when she was touring in 2019 called hold on to me that uh she loved the song when she wrote it and she actually just started working it into her set on that tour, and it got recorded live, and then we kind of did a studio version of that live recording, and that's going to release this Friday uh, as a new single from Lauren. It's not a new song, but to the public, it will be a new song, Uh, and uh, that, that little tip of the hat to new Lauren music.
1: Fantastic. And we're recording this on February 25th. So, oh, yeah. uh, and that's, so tomorrow it releases tomorrow.
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I look forward to that and we will be sure to link some of this new. Um, yeah. I remember you mentioning Chris uh, back in October and uh, I yeah. have since kind of checked him out and very exciting, very neat, um, neat style. I really do enjoy yeah. his work yeah. very much. Well, great. Well, John, thank you again so much. And I I always love to end every conversation I have uh, by praying for you, my -hmm. guest, and um, thanking God for the work you're doing. So yeah, Mm -hmm. let's let's finish that way. Well, Father God, we thank you so much for this time to connect. Um, Thank you for John and the work that he has faithfully done over the years and is still doing. Lord, thank you for calling him into the music industry. Um, He's been a huge blessing to so many uh, as a champion for artists. And that's such a gift, um, such a gift to those who he interacts with and those that benefit from the art being produced. Uh, Lord, um, just thank you for gifting him uh, as a champion and Lord, for Centricity Music, we pray that the work before them, Lord, you just bless their efforts, bless their desire to um, pour into the kingdom your messages of hope, love, and your character, Lord. And we just, we thank you for the, the work that they're doing. Um, go before them and thank you so much for John's encouragement today. Uh, his wisdom, and his uh, suggestions for those that truly do seek to honor you uh, with their art. Lord, and thank you for his encouragement to those that um, need to be spurred on in that as well. Lord, um, thank you again for this conversation, this time uh, with John today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Thank you, Andrew.
1: Thank you, John. Well, so good to chat with you today. And yeah, we'll have to, we may even split this conversation into two oh, parts because it was so good.
2: I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've but kept just, you so long. <laughs> just get the razor blade out and they'll be ready uh, to <laughs> cut away.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to connecting again soon. Okay.
2: Thanks, Andrew.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this special two-part Creatively Christian episode. To see the show notes, where we put resources mentioned in this episode, you can head over to Theophanymedia.com forward slash maze two. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at Theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Bill Brooks, and Lynn Baber. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day and keep on creating for our Lord.